Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zero Ducks Given. And once again, it is the nation's favorite broadcaster, Mr. Daniel Norcross. And it is the nation's favourite fast bowler, Mr. Stephen Finn, and myself, in many ways, the poster child of this magnificent podcast. Lovely to see you both, chaps. Finney, let's start with you. How are you, Finney? Well, you just made me sick describing yourself as the poster child because <laughs> it's no wonder no one listens to us That if you're the face of it. Um, looking at that balding forehead right now via Zoom, um, I'm glad the COVID pandemic happened so I don't actually have to sit there and look at it in real life, I think. But other than that... I'm sat there, Finney, thinking the nation's favourite fast bowler just turned 40 this week. The nation's favourite broadcaster is currently Ian Wright. Mm. <laughs> and the, the poster girl is almost certainly Gabby Logan. Uh, but, but, or, or, or any single one of the Lionesses. But I love the chutzpah that you came in there with there. Well, I, Toby, think, that's, I mean, that was great. <laughs> I, I was trying to build you up. You know, it's late on a Monday night and I just thought I'd build you up. I'd, I'd try and inspire you. And the, this is the thanks I get. I, yeah. it, it's often we normally wait a bit longer into the podcast to upset our listener. But Finney saying he's glad the pandemic happened is, 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 a, is a pretty bold start, even by our standards. So uh, it's good to see that everyone's in the same form that I left them in last week and the week before that. Finney, mate, other than that, anything you want to report on? How's Ethel's undercarriage? Anything that you want to get off your chest? Anything you'd like to tell me and Dan? I know you haven't got your good friend Tim Murta here, but you've got the next best thing. You've got me and Daniel here. Um, yeah, I'm glad you didn't call yourselves friends because you're, you're absolutely not. Um, no, what's been happening this week? I, um, I, I'm off to see a knee surgeon tomorrow about my um, knee that I sort of did before the Middlesex game and then it got increasingly worse through the game. So I'm off to see a knee surgeon tomorrow, Tuesday, to work out what's going on um, and make a plan to try and get me back fit at some stage this season, hopefully. 
Um, and other than that, not a lot. I'm in London at the moment. I've just watched Watford win 1-0 in their first game of the season against Sheffield oh. United. Um, so I can't really complain. That's why. That's why. That, that's that's why. He's so, that's why. He's so. Um, that's why. He's so bullish and fractious and so chipper. Because, yeah, yeah do you know what I mean. Because because men's football does that. You know, after watching the the generous delight of the lionesses yesterday and seeing how teams can just get on. You know, England and Germany just get on. And Finney here, Watford have won some no mark game by one goal to nil against Sheffield. Someone, and he's already cock of the walk, isn't he? He's like striding down Watford High Street. He's like, you know, nicking people's kebabs on his way past, and he's slashing a tire here and there. This is this is what's wrong with men's sport. Shoving Toby. a flare up his ass, you know. Shoving a flare up his ass. Yeah. yeah. Who knows what other adornments he'll stick on his ears, nose, lip, nipples? Yeah. Frenulum. You know. Where where does it end? The perineum. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know the bit between the front door and the back door of Hernando's? That's the peri-perineum. <laughs> That's very good. Thank you. <laughs> oh, we got we got a laugh from Finney and we're away. And we're away. Actually, Finney, I want to talk to you about your earrings, actually, because they they were a fad that came and went, even even by your sort of midlife crisis standards. That was a short-lived one. Yeah. Um, I can't really explain it, to be honest. I've not... I tried to get one through the other day, actually, and it just ended up in pus coming out of my ear and then it bled for about a day and a half. So, um, yeah, I've not bothered trying again since and, and I probably won't try again, to be honest. Maybe Amber just said no, did she? I mean, look, I've met Amber and she seems like a highly way too sensible human being to be with you. So was it just her going, Finny, mate? No. Or, no or, did she call you Finny? Has she got a different Yeah, she does. No, she does call me Finny, actually. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she wasn't the biggest fan of it. Um, mm. I think she was just waiting for the moment to pass, and, and it seems as though it has passed. So you know, she's in luck. Now, <laughs> now, genuinely, <laughs> Finny, coming coming back to your knee surgery, which we scooted over a bit. Obviously, best wishes, and we hope that it's good news tomorrow. But it it blows my mind how casually sportsmen, especially fast bowlers in cricket, who are will come onto their workload in a bit. But it's just so casually how because I've never undergone surgery in my life and I, I don't intend to. Uh, Daniel Norcross probably is beyond saving. I don't think there's any yeah, surgery I'll in the just... world that could fix Daniel Norcross. But how many times have you had surgery in your playing career? Um, let me think. I think it's three, three or four. I think, yeah, three. I had a, a groin operation when I was 18 where, yeah, I've got scars on my groin and on my stomach and then I've had two knee surgeries, one in 2017, one in 2018. The 2017 one was more serious than the 2018 one, which ended up just being a clean out, which I'm hoping when I see the surgeon tomorrow is all that's um, all that's required this time around, or maybe even no surgery, which would be a bonus as well. It's just mad. There's not many professions that come with that potential that oh you'll probably need four or five surgeries during your career. It's just a, it's a bizarre oh. existence that sportsmen get so used to. Yeah, bouncer, perhaps, and indeed doctor, because, of course, they have to perform them every day. But, I mean, are, are these under general or are, or are they local? Do you get to, like, watch? No, no, local. they not Local. I, I've had my toenails removed surgically under local anaesthetic, um, which wasn't that pleasant. You can feel the bloke just yanking your foot around until he comes out with your toenail all of a sudden. 
and waves it around in your face. I think I even kept one as a memento. Yeah, yeah, I think I did. Yeah, I bought it, brought it back, and put it in someone's lunch or something um, <laughs> at the ground. But yeah, the the bigger ones, the ones where you actually have to properly go under the knife. I mean, I've got a great video that I'll send to our group after this chat of a guy literally chiseling a uh, a lump of benign tumor out of my knee and and then pulling it out with forceps. So wow. don't don't feel like you have to send it to the WhatsApp. No, 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 group. do, do. No, well, don't send it to me then. I, I love that kind of shit. Are you one of those like? Do you watch like doctors popping pimples on YouTube and shit? You yeah, 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 yeah. Do you? Oh, without a doubt, with, well, without without a doubt, the single most satisfying moment of my entire life was when I burst an ingoing hair pimple in 1994. I had to bend over a hip bath, but I wanted to see it happen, so I had to direct two mirrors at an angle. And it'd been really annoying me. I was doing this temp job and I was sitting on this seat doing like data entry day after day. And it was just getting more and more and more painful. And I thought there's something wrong here. And uh, and then it genuinely was dreadfully wrong. And then when I gave it the, um, I finally got a tear streaming down my face, gave it the big squeeze. And it literally made a noise. It went ting, ting onto the radiator of the bathroom while I was bending over the bath. And I saw it shoot out. Um, reflected in two mirrors, and it was probably the most satisfying moment of my life, both geometrically, musically, and uh, just in terms of satisfaction. Because I, 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 I could sit down again after that without crying. I think, and it's a, and it's a low bar that we've set ourselves over the last year or so. But I think we've just hit rock bottom. I, I think, think that's up there with eating Hitler. Yeah, Do you know, suddenly I wish, suddenly I wish Dan was talking more about eating Hitler that he did a few months ago. Suddenly. Eating Hitler compared to that is a walk in the park. Frankly. Well, if you've not if you've not had that experience, I can understand. But I, I trust you. Trust me, it is I, the most I don't wonderful watch, I, thing. I don't watch any of that stuff on YouTube. People, there's a big market for people popping pimples. Are you one of them, Finny? Yeah, I don't mind that. Actually, I don't mind watching pimples or a really satisfying blackhead or an ingrown hair on someone's face. Mm, but what's wrong with pimples? Um, but yeah, not not on any other body parts, really. I'm not that interested in those. Now, th- my my much better half, Pippa, she does like to spot a spot on my back, and she asks if she can do the honours. She gets great satisfaction out of that, which I find deeply troubling. Does anyone else get that service from their better half? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, actually, yeah. don't get me wrong. I mean, we're still happily married, but I do feel that I've let Catherine down in the last ten or fifteen years because. As you get older, essentially the hormones just sort of drain away and um, the spots become less prevalent. And she'll go for a rummage of an evening and there's nothing there. And the disappointment, the disappointment that you get from her is, I mean, it's palpable, really. It, it means you've got to do even more around the house generally to make up for it. I could, I could do with an explosion of pimples. Well, I've done. I've spent a bit of time with you and and your partner Dan, and there is always a look of disappointment in her eyes. So I think the pimples is really the the least of your worries. Now, whilst we've absolutely disgusted our one and only listener, and they've all, already certainly tuned out, we might as well go in for a penny, in for a pound. So I haven't seen this yet, but I want to talk about Tymar Mills's toe. So apparently, Tymar Mills has got the weirdest injury in the world. Finney, have you seen this photo? Um, no, I've seen it in real life. I've seen the toe in real life. I played in the game that he did it um, and have been in the dressing room when he's um, been in the dressing room when he was uh, getting it glued up and stitched up and stuff. Yeah, it's like something off of Frankenstein's monster. It's terrible. 
So it, describe it. What's what's happened? Did he just run in and bowl and it just happened, or was it a gradual thing? Well, no, it would have been a gradual thing, but I think there's actually been a big load of problems with people's boots this year because the main manufacturers have stopped making bowling boots. So therefore, people have had to improvise um, and outsource their bowling boots. So there's been a whole heap of knee. I mean, my knee, I think, is because I've had to change my boots to Miles' toe because he's had to change his boots. There's a whole heap of injuries this year. Jamie Overton's done something to his foot. I don't know if that's boot-related. Uh, and there have been a whole heap of injuries because of people changing their footwear, which is quite an important thing um, for a cricketer. So I just think over time when Tamar's coming in, he's, he's a big, strong boy and he bowls at 90 odd miles an hour. So the force that that puts through your big toe is going to lead to it going in different directions in your boot. And it just so happened there that, yeah, he split it almost fully across the knuckle. Um, and it did look like someone had, had put an axe through the toe and then just sort of kept it hanging on by a little bit of skin on the other side and, and oh. it's been stitched up, glued up. Um, yeah, and now it looks like something truly grotesque. Is the split down, I'm trying to picture it, is the split sort of across the toe or top to bottom? Horizontal. Horizon, it's horizontal. It's, it's exactly what Philly said. It's exactly what Philly said. It's Frankenstein's monster. Because the stitch is required because it, it's too. it was too wide to glue, really. So it had to get close together. But when you look at it, you think, Oh my God, that is what the force of bowling at 90 miles an hour actually does to a foot. But the revelation to me here is that, like, they're not making bowling boots. I mean, come on. You're bowling with an orange on flat pitches, and now bowlers are being forced to sort of go and bowl in Wellingtons or something ridiculous or ballet shoes. This is just, this is the entire game being designed to make batters have enormous averages i had a look at surrey's batters averages and they're like nobody does it doesn't average above 30 all the way down the order so i mean they're quite good don't get me wrong they're they're good players but they're not all that good yeah (laughs) jamie overton's averaging 37 with a bat i mean it's not a coincidence that currently the england fast bowling lineup is crocked every in every direction you look the it, it seems every Single bowler that's pulled on an England shirt over the last 12 months seems to be injured at the moment, apart from Jimmy and Broad. It seems like everybody else at some point in the last 12 months has, has had something go wrong. Are they the um, only let's two talk about with, the- are they actual bowling boots? I mean, they maybe because they don't play other forms of cricket, they got given about 48 pairs of bowling boots about three years ago. They still made them and they're just working their way through them. And everyone else is <laughs> well, bowling I know, I, bollocks. I, I know some guys went on to eBay, anything they could find on Amazon to try and bulk buy all the boots in their size in the country. I know Chris Wokes did that with the um, with the Adidas ones that he uses. And I know a few other guys have tried to do it with the ASICS version of the boots that they discontinued as well. Yeah, yeah there's a big problem with people trying to find fast bowling boots. And, and I don't think it's that much of a coincidence that lots of people are getting injured this year. Well, I've got the same ones that Jimmy Anderson's worn for years. So if he wants to borrow mine, they're still going strong. I was going to say, well, you could bowl in a pair of slippers and bowl the same pace, mate. So I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't worry about playing in proper. Well, exactly. Spot. So Jimmy might. He, as well he, have he, also, he also, he also bowls ten overs a week, which is slightly less. <laughs> to be fair, I think I got, I think I got hooked after about nine at the weekend. So uh, don't you worry, I'm not even getting through my full ten at the minute. Finney, I've got to ask you about that, actually, because I was, that's the point, isn't it? That presumably these guys at the top level 
have got big sponsorship deals and sponsors and a manufacturer. So they can't just go to Remeda Sports and buy any old spikes and whack them on. Surely they've got sort of contracts to obligations to fulfil. Yeah, but people don't really care about that if your career or your comfort whilst playing is at stake. Um, and if you did, you'd be a fool. Um, I think people are willing to sacrifice a little bit of a sponsorship deal in order to make sure that they've got the right footwear on. That was always my attitude towards it. And if anyone wanted to pay me to wear the boots that I like, then that was an absolute bonus. But yeah, the, the comfort and the health of your feet and the lower half of your body is, is of the utmost importance to me. You're like Keith Richards in the 70s. Keith Richards was used to always have a bottle of Jack Daniels at the back of the stage. It's his favourite drink, still is. And uh, every single day, he'd go, they'd do a gig and he'd go to the back and he'd be swigging Jack Daniels. And Jack Daniels said, this is amazing, we'll sponsor you. So they basically paid Keith Richards loads of money to drink Jack Daniels at every gig. Then they realised after a few years of paying him extraordinary amounts of money that, why are we doing this? He was doing it for free beforehand anyway. So they took away their sponsorship from him. So the next night, Keith Richards went out with a bottle of Jim Beam. <laughs> so they called him up and went, fuck it, we'll go back to sponsoring you. <laughs> they should have just never said anything and they would have got the whole deal for free. But instead, they decided to pay him to drink Jack Daniels. Um, right, we should probably talk a little bit more about cricket as well. Um, I was going to move on to the schedule, actually, because it feels fitting. We'll come to the England-South Africa uh, T20 series in a bit. But um, whilst we're talking about bowlers breaking down, because... Poor fast bowlers, the balls are crap, pitches are flat, the footwear's falling apart by the sound of things, nothing's going their way, injuries all over the place. But Daniel Norcross <laughs> has basically convinced that it's really tough being a broadcaster at the moment. So I just want you to think about that, Finney. You're that you're seeing a knee surgeon tomorrow. And Daniel Norcross is whinging all the time about how much he's having to work at the moment. I I, I am not. I'm not whinging all the time. I'm not whinging all the time. I, I am. I'm expressing the perfectly valid view that the the job that we're supposed to do is to not just be excited in the moment and bring you the brilliance of this this stuff that's happening because cricket isn't on all the time, although it currently is. So when it's there, it's fantastic, and then. When it's not on, talking about what has happened and then imagining what is going to happen. The Ashes series in 2005 began on the 20-somethingth of July and ended on the 12th of September. There were five test matches in that time. There was a huge narrative that was built up. Everyone had time to sort of like digest, cogitate and understand. I did four test matches in four and a half weeks, followed by... Every single day, either men or women were playing. And I'm, I mean, you know, I'm very happy to have been on many of those games. It's impossible if you were doing your job not to just be watching whatever was on every day. It was just all consuming. And at no point did anybody have any time to reflect on what happened, which is why we have, we don't, we haven't really talked about England's one day travails. We haven't really talked about how insane those test matches were because the moment they ended we started watching men's cricket and women's cricket and every other day there was men's and women's cricket on the telly and no one had any chance to bloody breathe and I think if I'm well that this isn't entirely fair if I'm absolutely fucked that's largely spending 40 years of desiccated nonsense you know destroying my body but nonetheless 
if I am fucked, God knows what players feel like, because this is just insane what's happening. They've, they've, they've started the international summer so late, and then they've crammed not just four test matches into five weeks because they've got to get a seventh test because of last year, but they've crammed an extra three games against the Netherlands and then 12 more one-day games straight after that. No one can remember anything. I don't know what bloody happened. We got <laughs> how the hell are the selectors supposed to decide what's going on? They're like, blah, blah, blah. what the hell? It's just crazy. Uh, there was a statistic this week the Barmy Army tweeted that in the last 60 days, the England men and women have played on 46 of them. So basically, it is every single day. That's a lot. Well, it's it's every it's it's every single day and travel. Because for, for those of us who are, who are covering it all, you're at the, nearly all those games. And then in between those games, you're traveling to the next game to stay the night there and then cover it. And it's an unbelievable privilege and it's absolutely magnificent. And there is no better job in the world. You can't do it properly because you, you weren't can't. saying that before we press record. I'll tell you that for free. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's it, it it doesn't help us do it particularly well because you don't ever get to pause. I mean, actually, doing this podcast is about the only place you get to reflect for a week and think, "What the hell has just happened there?" Uh, and even then, what happens is that by the time I get around to doing it, I'm tired and emotional and wretched and worrying about what I've got to pack for the next day's bloody game. Finney, now I'd like to come to you on this. Um, as somebody who has played cricket now for professionally for about 16 years, uh, home and away for England, pre-season tours with Middlesex, um, travelling up and down the country to play Glamorgan in a four-day game and then off to Derbyshire for a four-day game. How much sympathy have you got for Daniel Norcross, broadcaster here for the cricket schedule? None. I thought you might say that. But, you know, did you not hear the trials and tribulations that him and his fellow broadcasting colleagues are going through there, Stephen? Oh, isn't it, isn't it just so tough, physically and mentally demanding to sit there and talk for 20 minutes a time about cricket? I, actually, I don't know how he does it, to be quite frank. Now, Finney, this is interesting because Finney has, of course, done a bit of TMS as well. So he, you can't bullshit to him, Dan. You can lie to me. I've I never know. done it. But Finney's seen yeah, it from well, your side. Well, yes, and, and but what none of us have ever done is get paid a really handsome salary to wait for Tim Murtagh to go, oh, yeah, we'll have a bowl and then sit in a beautiful air-conditioned room for all day and get paid for it. And then the next day, what, sort of pitch up for about an hour and a half and that's it, you're done. I mean, players, especially bowlers, I mean, all-rounders are different, you know, because they do actually put in the hard yards, but Bowlers, they whine about how, you know, their batters don't give them enough time with their feet up. But it can't be true, can it? Because there are some sides that do do that. If you're in the right team, you know, if you play for New Zealand, then 232 overs out of every game, you are uh, sitting with your feet up. The other 122 overs are getting larruped around the park by Johnny Bairstow, which must be a little bit dispiriting. But you don't have to do much work. There's an awful lot of chilling out and doing fuck all. Whereas a commentator has to record all of that, you see. So while Finney's snoozing, some of us are actually bringing you the story of the game. Well, Even I have I've no got a suggestion what's for you. On. I've got a suggestion for you. If you're um, feeling that enamoured to need to take a break and 
give yourself a bit of freshness through the day, then don't be employed by two people at the same game to talk. Just get employed by one, then you'll get the breaks. <laughs> well, there's that. There's that. But the thing is that my adoring public require me on both sides of, mm. of the, uh, the, the world, both the Northern and mm. Southern Hemisphere. Mm. It's, uh, well, the equator, yes, exactly. It's a crucially important line that slices right through the middle of the world, a bit like... Tim Oil Mills is toe. It's <laughs> that. Exactly. It's a good callback. <laughs> it's, 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 you know, I, I have a responsibility to an adoring public. And, um, you know, my fame stretches far and wide, Finney. Right. Well, let's quickly move on from Dan's adoring public because we have to, you know, bear in mind the one member of the adoring public that actually listens to this bollocks every week. Uh, and we should probably talk a bit, a bit about England. Um, I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't watch the final T20 game and because the Lionesses was on, and I know it's a cricket podcast, but we should mention how magnificent the Lionesses were. But I'd imagine the England men were probably delighted with the Lionesses winning because their story got pushed right down all the sports pages. A pretty, pretty bizarre batting performance once again from England. They didn't bowl too much better as well. South Africa set 191 off their 20 overs. And England lost by 90 runs, 101 all out. Finney, it's a bit of a broken record. I sort of ask you the same question every week, but we're now in August. The World Cup's in October. We're not winning many cricket matches. We've got a new captain and a new coach. Um, it's not looking great with the World Cup two months away, is it? Oh, I mean, I wouldn't be reading too much into this at the moment. I don't think. I still think there's an element of needing to let the new management team or the new leadership team bed in. Um, I'm a big believer that Josh Butler is the right man for the job and I think he'll be a fantastic captain. Um, I just think he needs time to be able to work out how he wants to go about it because I mean, Morgan obviously had such a clear plan that was so clear after England had a disaster in that 2015 World Cup. Um, I mean, hopefully it doesn't take that for Joss to um, learn about what he needs and what he wants from within his team. Um, but I certainly think that there's still enough time for them to be able to plan and implement those plans um, in order to hit the World Cup running. There's a lot of time to go between now and then. So I wouldn't be panicking too, um, too soon. And, and also... I think hopefully you, you have some of those frontline players back who've been missing, um, especially the bowlers here in this series. Um, and I think that that will make a difference as well. But it's, it's, it's fascinating, that, though, isn't it? Because the bowlers have not been... I mean, they have, there was a problem yesterday, without a doubt, because they let 191 go through. But the story of that game was a little bit weird, actually. South Africa got off to a flyer, but by accident. There were a lot of inside edges, there were a lot of outside edges. They got incredibly lucky. Chris Jordan's figures, 152, he, he bowled like the wind. He was bowling 90 mile an hour plus every ball. And he was he got a bit unlucky, actually. It's the, the batting, though, that, that is the issue at the moment. But you wouldn't really change any of it, except you'd look at two positions, one and three, Roy and Milan. And if Stokes comes back in, yeah, and you imagine that he will do because he's said he's retired from ODI cricket, he'll slot into that middle order somewhere. Might he slot in at number three? And then you've got Jason Roy, who is a really big concern, you know, um, because he's he's batted very strangely all year. Or I say strangely, he's just out of nick. He's searching for the ball. 
I think he scored 76 runs in 98 deliveries on, or 78 runs in 96 deliveries across the entire T20 series that they played against India and, uh, and South Africa. And you can see that that's not quite working. You've got Harry Brook, who's been hanging around for yonks. You've got Phil Salt, who's been hanging around for yonks, around that squad, just there, but Salt playing and Brook not really playing. So I do think that the 100 becomes a really important tournament for Roy, for Milan, for Brook, for Salt, and for anybody else who might be kind of bolter, Banton, for example, who might be a bolter to come into that into that batting lineup. The bowling lineup, there's been some incredible pluses, haven't there, Topley? But Rashid is he's not been on it since he came back from the Hajj, and that was, you know, he was out of cricket for a while. So you'd expect that for a little bit. So the hundred's gonna be important for him to get back into Nick. But he's, you, you're going to pick him without a shadow of a doubt. Topley's been, a, as I say, a success. Then you've got the uh, Willie, Curran, what, Jordan. Who comes back into that side in the bowling attack? I mean, it doesn't look like Wood's going to be fit. Timal will be the man. Because whilst we've been talking about this toe injury, like it's the most dreadful thing we've ever seen, he's basically a cut in the toe. So he's going to be, he'll be fit by the time the, the World Cup comes around. Um, so he might be about he might be a man who you know comes back in. They're looking for left armers. I think that I think the hundred is going to be an interesting tournament for an England selection point of view. It's a it's a great chance for people to put themselves in the shop window. I would say, although a lot of it's been forced because there are so many injuries in the bowling department, but just the fact that this team has felt so settled for so long now, you could normally pick eight nine players pretty much with your eyes closed. It is. Strange, I guess, because of how successful the team's been over the last few years to be sat here two months away from a World Cup debating who plays and whether we need to make changes to the batting lineup because we just haven't been used to it since that amazing Morgan turnaround. But um, look, there's enough talent in that batting lineup that they can change very, very quickly. And as I said last week, it was only a few, few weeks ago, we were talking about them breaking the world record against the Netherlands. So we shouldn't get carried well, they, away too they got, much. They got to- they got 236 in the first game against South Africa. So, you know, they'll, they'll know they're able to do that. But that does slightly hide what the entire white ball summer has been about. And, that, and it has been against India and South Africa. It's been a general failure of the top order to reach the standards that they are used to. And inevitably, therefore, you're going to look at the people who are struggling most in that. And the ones, that, the ones who are really struggling most have been Roy Milan. Um, let's move on to the 100 because we've we've mentioned it there in passing. First of all, I mean, an absolute travesty that Stephen Finn didn't get a contract this year. I think that's the first thing that we can all agree on. And I, I for so, one, yeah. will not be watching out of protest. Um, no Finney, no party. I live by that motto. I live by two John, mottos, which are be more Eberdot and no Finney, no party. Um, John, Simpson, John Simpson is also absolutely desolate. Yes. Because... That was 29 runs absolutely guaranteed at yeah, some point. Yeah, that's true, actually. Poor Simo. You know, it's the it's the sort of butterfly effect of Finney's admission that you don't think about always. But yeah, poor John Simpson's very good point, actually. Finney, genuinely, this time last year, we sat here going, nobody quite knows what to expect with the 100. And I think even the most mm, diehard, four-day advocate cricket fan in the world probably deep down would have to admit it was actually very successful, particularly for the women's game, as we've discussed, it was brilliant for the women. Um, what's the sort of feeling towards the 100 now, a year on, looking forward to a second year, sort of within the, from players' point of view? Um, yeah, I think excited. I think people saw how different it was 
to anything that we'd seen before in this country with the, the franchises, the the meeting up and playing with people from within the country that aren't your normal teammates. Um, there is a very different feeling to that um, than playing for your team in the blast, which um, is obviously still very important, in my opinion, for um, for us as a country. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was excited. It was fun to play in. Uh, it's not as boring as I've just made it sound there with my yawning. Um, I'm just a very <laughs> tired man this week. Um, and I'm sat in the dark, actually. It's not helping. You've been playing so much cricket this week. I, I, I understand. Well, no, my knee's so painful I can't really sleep. But, you know, never mind. <laughs> I just don't come on here playing my little violin. Um, and, and, yeah, I it was fun. It was exciting. It, it was really interesting to see how it all worked out. I think people are going to have more of a game plan this year. So it might be, um, there'll be probably more tactical stuff that um, that coaches have been away thinking about over the winter. Um, but yeah, certainly the start of it this week is, is going to be exciting for everyone to watch. And, and yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who puts their hand up because of the other caveats um, to come with, with the World Cup coming up in October. And, and also Norcross, well, with the world having moved on, thankfully from the pandemic and a little bit more, um, more players available that weren't available last year as well. Well, exactly, yeah. I mean, let's let's be really honest about this, or as honest as we can be. Uh, the men's hundred last year was quite a mediocre tournament. You know, there, there weren't nothing like the best players in the world there. Uh, if you watched the IPL, they they moved heaven and earth to make sure they could still get the best players there, and they had a miserable time in a series of bubbles. I, I'm, I'm only imagining that. <laughs> That's Probably libelous. I'd imagine the one point six million pounds yeah. softened the blow. But yes, but yeah, largely speaking, it, it must have been quite a difficult experience to be at the IPL in the last couple of years. But they made sure that it happened. Whereas the hundred, we couldn't do that, and so we didn't have Australians. That there aren't any Indians coming over to play the hundred. This year, there are going to be better overseas players, and that's going to make it more exciting in the men's game, and it's going to make it more exciting in the women's game as well, because the women's game was a game changer despite the lack of Australians. And now with them coming over, actually the women's hundred has the opportunity to rival the women's big bash. And so, you know, you've got to look at cricket in two different spheres here where, where women's cricket's going and where men's cricket's going is slightly different, but at the same time conjoined. So we saw today Deandra Dottin had retired from international cricket uh, Lizelle Lee has recently done that. These are both players who play for boards that aren't really paying them enough money to demand that they uh, do and behave and you know, are part of the team setup that requires certain things. that they can't, they can't pay them to do that because the Women's Big Bash is coming up. There might be a Women's Indian Premier League soon. The 100 is there. Leagues are happening. So actually in women's cricket, you're seeing... What what's happening in men's cricket, but you're seeing it entirely in the, um, I suppose in the in the less well-off boards in South Africa and the West Indies. But women's cricket can ill afford it because then it just becomes international cricket, then becomes England against Australia, plus India, you hope, and that's about it. And um, that you know that is a concern. But for the 100, in terms of how the 100 will be, I think it'll probably be the best women's tournament in the world. And for the men, we'll see. It's, it's, it's got to prove itself, hasn't it? This year, it really has to, because 
we've been saying lovely things about what it's designed to do, but what does it actually produce on the pitch? Let's have a look. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, you'd imagine the men's tournament will be a bit stronger this year. You're right, at times last year. It was basically the Liam Livingston show at times last year. We're just waiting for him to come out to bat. Mm. Uh, the women's game was exceptional. And also the novel thing about the women's game was people putting their hand up that we hadn't actually seen a lot of, um, sort, you know, your Tash Farrants and people like that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds over the next few weeks. But I, I, I can't deny the fact that I was impressed by it last year, having been one of those sceptics about the whole thing. Um, and very finally... As we're on the women's game, the Commonwealth Games are taking place at the moment. There is cricket in the Commonwealth Games. Can I tell you my gripe with the cricket in the Commonwealth Games? Yeah, John. I thought I was, I wanted, I looked at the fixture list and it's all the usual names apart from Barbados because there's no West Indies. I wanted Papua New Guinea versus Malawi. I wanted Kiribati versus Sierra Leone. And I've got England, Sri Lanka and Australia, India. And do you know what? I'm not fussed about it. There you go. There I said it. <laughs> I've said it. Yeah. I mean, I think a qualifying tournament would have been fun. Uh, and especially if you've got, say, Malawi playing and uh, and Uganda women and Oman women as well. Um, that, yeah, that, that could have been fun in a sort of a moderately ghoulish kind of way. But it's it's actually a really neat tournament. And what it's trying to do is prove that you can play cricket at these multi-event tournaments like the Olympics. Commonwealth Games obviously being very similar to the Olympics. And if cricket can get into the Olympics, then you do in the longer term, you know, we live in the here and now, don't we? But China, for example, would probably play cricket if you made it an Olympic sport. And there are a billion Chinese and they straddle that brilliant space between India and Australia via Bangladesh. Um, and so it would really widen the community if you could do that. That's part of the sort of wider idea and agenda of what's going on. And then what it actually is itself is a really neat tournament. You've got two groups of four, um, Australia and uh, are going to get through without a shadow of a doubt. They're in a group with India. England are in a group with New Zealand, South Africa, who they just recently thrashed, and Sri Lanka. Pakistan are obviously in the group with India and Australia, because that's how it works. And Barbados, and Barbados is this slightly strange entity. It's not strange at all. It's a nation state, but we're used in cricket to having the West Indies, but you can't have that in the Commonwealth Games because everything is broken down to its constituent parts. So Barbados was the best of the rest, and it meant that Really, what's going to happen is that Australia and England will definitely qualify. So will India. And it'll either be New Zealand and South Africa. And New Zealand beat South Africa. So it'll almost certainly be that. So the qualifying tournament's pretty uh, lacking in jeopardy. But then you get semi-finals, And then you get a final. And then they're going to get like medals. And it'll actually matter to get a bronze medal as well. So- you know, And there'll be, there'll be flags. There'll be anthems. I mean, this stuff is very unusual. In cricket, that's not how cricket does generally operate. So having them do this is, um, I think it's brilliant. And it's you, you get past the crap games quickly and you get to the the, mat, the ones that matter quite quickly on with bringing all those women back into the 100 and then they'll be on telly again. So it's kind of, it's great for the women's game. 
to to sum up, basically, after all the chats of the last 40 minutes or so, where we've talked about poor Finney going to see a knee surgeon tomorrow, we've talked about Tymar Mills's toe, we've talked about the England injury problems, we've talked about fast bowlers going through the ringer. Daniel Norcross is excited about the Commonwealth Games cricket because it might lead to the Olympics where men can play more cricket. After whinging yeah. about the fact that you've been going up and down the country yeah. and all over the country because <laughs> you had to go and report on cricket, you're now hoping... <laughs> That more cricket gets added to the calendar. That's it's- not fair. I was, I was, I was not whinging. I was not whinging. I was, I was. I, I, you were whinging. Was, you were absolutely was, whinging. No, I wasn't. I was suggesting that we all might be able to enjoy this and do better out of this if we constructed it slightly differently, rather than vomiting a giant amount. Yeah, of and now you want to add an Olympics to the cricket calendar every four years. About- Olympics always <laughs> happen in the summer. Yeah, peak cricket season. Yeah, good idea, Norcross. Bloody hell, you are. Nah, Unbelievable. Be be absolutely you're fantastic. a walking contradiction of a man, is what you are, Norcross. Uh, Finney, I'm going to let you go. I want to go to an Olympics village. I didn't send me. I want to go to an Olympic village just once in my life. <laughs> apparently, too much to ask. apparently, they are like the last days of Rome in Olympic villages. Apparently, it all goes on. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Finney, I know that you haven't slept at all because you're near. I hope you get some good news from the surgeon tomorrow, and I hope we see you out on a cricket pitch soon. Chaps, I'll see you next week. And Norcross, I hope you get some rest. You've had a really grueling schedule recently. Really, actually, yeah, you know. Cheers, boys. Yeah. Cheers. Good night. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.